Hey, this is Dag Ferrick from Rob Zombie's Halloween, and this is Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. Zombies Halloween. Um, I do want to say Rob Zombie really nails the look of the 1970s, the look and the feel. Because of his age, this is the time he grew up in as a young boy um, and preteen. So he would remember things like, you know, the Stingray bicycles and the Ben Cooper crappy plastic masks, the blow molded masks, and all of these things that looked and felt like the 70s and the decorations and all this stuff. This is definitely the world that that he um, knew that he grew up in and probably where he started um, really loving Halloween as a holiday. So I will say that Rob Zombie nails the look and the feel of a lot of this stuff, and it could not be made any better than his use of Kiss's God of Thunder. Like we get this clap of thunder, the title card Halloween, and then we get God of Thunder by Kiss and the exterior of this clearly white trash dwelling um, then the title cards, Haddonfield, Illinois, October 31st. And we cut right to, um, um, how would we say his name? Dag Ferch, um, the, the young actor playing Michael Myers. As I a, don't know as his a, name. I can't honestly say I know how to pronounce his name, and he's going to be at the convention I'm at yes. this coming weekend. <laughs> but um, he's playing with rodents, and um, and we've, we've got some uh, very trashy argument over breakfast in the kitchen, William Forsyth does a good job playing a just absolutely horrible human being. Uh, this kind of mom's boyfriend, this not really stepdad character. He's just horrible. Uh, we get screaming babies, uh, disagreeable teenage daughters. Um, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but it, it kind of lays the groundwork for this is just not a good environment for kids infant or teenager or anything in between <laughs> did you notice this uh or oh yeah you... totally okay um there were times though that i i wondered like what uh i, I knew that was the 70s but there are other times later in the movie where it's kind of hard to tell what time period if it's some of it still looks 70s ish i don't know it was an odd thing uh I'm glad they had better production values than the original. <laughs> um, I'm assuming they spent more than $3,000 or $300,000 or whatever it was. Um, well, let's 30, see. I think $35. We, we what was the budget here. of the remake? The remake? Not the, let's see. Because that was a, a major studio one, wasn't it? As opposed to an independent... Um, fifteen million dollars, and it made fifty-eight million two hundred seventy-two and twenty-nine. <laughs> but yeah, fifteen. So why all the need? This is my problem with Halloween. Um, if you've only seen the first one, or the remake, why the need to go into Michael Myers' story? Why the mm. need to have Michael Myers at all? Why not he just be the shape? <laughs> 
Just show up randomly? Just show up. Mm-hmm. He's a scary dude in a mask. You don't know what he wants. He's killing people. Because I think because he's motivated for whatever reasons we don't clearly know, he is motivated. And he's coming back. I think his motivation is murder. <laughs> well, uh, does seems... he need any other? I just, I just find. I, I didn't mind it in the in the Carpenter one. I didn't think there was too much there because it kind of played into the urban legends like uh, the tale of the hook and things like that. Mm, I can see that. Uh, just it could be, you know, I think it could be done just as, just as effectively if it were a random drifter who showed up doing some murders. It could, it could yeah, be. That's what I found the my main. Weak, the weak point in in um, the zombie film and and uh, the Devil's Rejects as well is uh, the focus is on these maniacs mm-hmm. and they're just not interesting people you know there's a void rather than being a a person yeah there. it's like a... well there's they're so far off base from what we think of as average or decent people they're just so horrible and I mean Devil's Rejects aside. That's supposed to be like verging on Manson family kind of mm-hmm. Manson family values. Um, but, we're, but when we're looking at like mom's boyfriend and this William Forsyth's character, Ronnie, he's just no idea that was William Forsyth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In my memory, it was like, no, wait a minute. Was it? What? And then I looked at, I looked at the cast list and I went, oh, that, that is Forsyth. Holy crap. He so did what, a good what job. What else has he done? Well, Forsyth was the sheriff who plays more of a Captain Ahab role in uh, Devil's Rejects. He's going to get the Firefly, Firefly family. Easy for me to say. He's been, um, in, I don't know, he's been in a bunch of, of B-movie roles. He's, I can't think of any of them off the top of my head. You see him at conventions a lot now, I will say that. He's, he's making the rounds for sure. And, you know, he, he's very trashy and, and is checking out his girlfriend's daughter over breakfast and just being really pervy toward her. And so you get the idea. And I, and I do believe Rob Zombie's laying the groundwork for this is a terrible home life for this boy who might just be a sociopath and or psychopath anyway. So it's just compounding it and making it worse. Now, this is my big problem with the Rob Zombie remake is we kind of want Michael Myers to be um, some mystery to why he kills we don't want to give him a reason. We don't want to know why. We want to just know that he does do it. He's... See, that's kind of what I'm saying. Why the backstory? Well, we know he's motivated, but we don't know why he's motivated in the first movie. It's his family. It's his house, whatever he's returning. But in this one, it's like we are given like, oh, maybe he's maybe he's the way he is because of all this stuff. And Loomis says as much later in the movie. Um, I don't want to get too far off base, but we do we do see... That he likes wearing this clown mask, Michael does. And it does seem pretty clear he's killing small animals, which is never a good sign. Um, he's wearing a Kiss t-shirt, which I thought was you know, one redeeming quality. He's got the Destroyer t-shirt on. That's pretty badass. <laughs> you know, the sister's talking shit. The mom's boyfriend's talking shit. Everything's crazy. There's screaming babies. And uh, we do see um, a little confrontation between Ronnie, the mom's boyfriend, Ronnie, and Michael. And we do see some facial twitching from Michael. So I think we get an idea that something's not going to go right. When we, when we get the scene where we pull into the school, you know, visually pulling in toward the school, 
the bike rack is full of stingray kind of bikes yeah. with the ape hanger han- handlebars on them. So we know it's the seventies, even if no one told us yet. Um, and we get this whole scene with the bullies in the bathroom. What do you think of that? Why do we need to know any of this? I don't care if he was bullied. Well, um, get to the killing already. <laughs> <laughs> well, that won't take long. So mom gets called well, down. It to... does take long. Well, yeah, it does take long. But then he racks the murder, <laughs> the body count up real quick. <laughs> well, okay, here's the thing. And you know, we're talking about, you know, he gets to the killing Within an hour or two, right? Like by the end of the school day with the bully. Oh, yeah. yeah. That one. Okay. Now, uh, the principal tries to break the fight up and what's the Is word? Is it just me or did the principal look like he was wearing old old person makeup? It did. He it looked did. like he was Johnny Knoxville in that Bad Grandpa <laughs> movie. It was, it was weirding me out. I thought maybe they'd have a flashback to something with this guy. Later, he didn't look so bad. But that scene in the bathroom, he looked especially rubbery he did and michael is very resistant to his authority and even gives him an fu and uh and so mom has to come down to to school to deal with this and it's it's a bad exchange this is a sherry moon zombie sherry moon zombie with a rare appearance in a rob zombie film (laughs) hey is sid haig gonna show up later yes yeah yes i was waiting for him yeah which is great i kind of i thought he was gonna play the uh the boyfriend of the mom at first, but and I, and, yeah. and I was just glad to see him, you know, in and out of the movie with, with some, you know, punch, but, um, they bring in Loomis, um, which is, uh, Malcolm McDowell, Malcolm McDowell, better known from Clockwork Orange and Tank Girl. <laughs> but we get Malcolm McDowell as Dr. Loomis coming down there and she, Michael's mom is just, not understanding why they're bringing in this child psychiatrist. And then we get the bag of dead cat and the pictures of other dead animals. And so they're talking about bigger problems. You know, it's not big deal. He found a dead cat. No, there's bigger problems. He's clearly doing this, but he elopes, he skips out and he's gone from school. There's a lot of looking over his shoulder that I don't think really builds the character of Michael Myers. I'm thinking he would just up and bolt upright and walk forward and just get the hell out. So that seemed like it was a betrayal of the character of Michael Myers, even in younger years. But he does leave, and then this is where we get to the part where the bully's being a total dick, leaving the school, and he's walking through this wooded area, comes to this clearing, and Michael stalks him in a very shape sort of style. (laughs) He gets him with a branch. How do you guys feel about the kill here? It was fatal. <laughs> Do you th- did you think he did a good job? Oh yeah, he killed that kid real good. <laughs> he was he was deader than fried I'd chicken. I rate him eight out of ten there on that he kill. Buried the needle on the kilometer, did he not? Uh, but uh, betrayal of character again, uh, making all the grunting and, and screaming yells as he swung the branch. I think it would have been more effective if he was just standing over him and just beating him with no vocalization at all it's done this movie plays certain things realistically and certain things are just like movie geek stuff yeah you have all these like uh fun cameos by all his favorite actors and you know the characters that turn up and uh and then you have like the long uh psychoanalysis of yeah michael myers 
to to make him more of a real person and who then somehow knows he's related to Laurie. Laurie figures out who she is somehow. I liked how the cop said, well, I just took her to another town and didn't put her in the report. Yet her mom was still alive. Did she just go with, oh, well, I guess the kid was (laughs) disappeared. Yeah, so it kind of plays it both ways. It does play it both ways. The most unrealistic part is the fact that Michael Myers fights and defeats Machete, (laughs) Danny Trejo, because we know. Yeah. Don't fuck with the wrong Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Machete, for sure. Maybe someone will remake Rob Zombie's John Carpenter's Halloween and they'll have Machete versus John. (laughs) Yes. I want to see... John Carpenter remake Plan 9 from Outer Space and then Rob Zombie remake the remake. So it could be Rob Zombie's John Carpenter's Ed Wood's Plan 9 from Outer Space. I'm surprised they've not remade Plan 9. There's talk of it. I I don't know much about the rumors. It was Plan 10. Yeah. Yeah. First eight were terrible. (laughs) So I did notice, though, that uh, on on the bully ambush, the bully was still threatening as he was getting beaten until until he gets to the point where he's begging for his life the death blows come after michael puts his clown mask back on over his face mm-hmm. so he he does he does his best work with the mask on well, that's dealt with in the first film in, in a second where he loses the mask and he has to put it back on even though he's got a gun pointed at him right in order to carry on he has to put the mask back on so that, you know it's dealt with in a second it's yeah it, so it's it's kind of a theme throughout we do get another glimpse at the thing from another world, 1951, which of course is Rob Zombie nodding to John Carpenter, nodding to the original <laughs> The Thing, and not, and not having to pay any money for it because it's public domain. Is, is that it? movie public domain? No, isn't it? I, so. I, I assumed it was because of the, the frequency at which it gets used. Well, I do know that Night of Living Dead yeah, works Night out that way, Dead. for sure. We get some um, more verbal abuse from Ronnie, the mom's boyfriend, which I have him abbreviated as WTBF. That's White Trash Boyfriend. <clears throat> so <laughs> she's off to work, which is, of course, at Rabbit and Red, the strip joint. Rabbit and Red is a strip joint, y'all. Okay. All right? Cute. Okay. I thought the original is Red Rabbit Inn. <laughs> we, we I don't know fr- what that means. We could but... frame, freeze frame this. Um, so we get intercut shots of um, Sherry Moon zombie stripping to Nazareth's Love hurts as her daughter has dumbass boyfriend in bed with her wanting to wear the Michael Myers mask. God, another great lover of Haddonfield. Yes. Yes. The the lovers of Haddonfield would be a great band name. <clears throat> Just all the songs are 30 seconds long. <laughs> what is it? Ben Traven and the... <laughs> Ben Tramer. Ben Tramer and, and, the, Haddonfield and lovers. the lovers of Haddonfield. <laughs> That is, I'm making the shirt. I'm, I can screen print. I think print. so. I can make this. Now, he gives her the, come on, babe, I want to do it with the mask on. and um, Not since the ice storm. <laughs> the, oh, that is the With the Nixon mask. Scene. There's a scary movie there. Yeah. Oh, that whole key party. Oh. Yes. Super creepy. <laughs> 70s stuff. Yeah. Talk about creepy 70s macrame and key parties (laughs) Um, now Ronnie the white trash boyfriend is snoozing on a recliner the movie going on we know that Michael's been um, 
you know, blown off for the whole trick-or-treating experience, had to go on his own. Uh, he's on a sugar high, apparently, eating circus peanuts. Worst Halloween candy give out ever. I went and, there were candy corns. Well, he was throwing... And he had filthy hands. He was throwing candy corns, and but he was eating circus peanuts, mm. wow. which look like a peanut, they're the color of an orange, and they smell and taste like a fake banana. I'm impressed you can ID the sweets. Yeah. Well, I, I thought I was I was good identifying Godzilla issue twelve in the first movie, but but that's impressive. We can we can freeze frame that. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm not. No, you're probably right. Well, in any event, he mummifies Ronnie with some duct tape, and cuts his throat with with great effect. Um, kills him deader than fried chicken once again. He's, he's getting good at this. Mm-hmm. Then he um, kills the boyfriend. Yep, yep. He does the good old head downstairs for a snack move and ends up getting a bat to the head instead. Uh, he's twitching on the ground and gets, I counted it, ten more blows from the aluminum bat. Wow. We get uh, Don't Fear the Reaper again from Blue Oyster Cult, mm-hmm. complete with cowbell. And uh, Michael Myers creeping on his sister. And... He puts on the shape mask, as we can call it, the the one that the boyfriend wanted to wear. So he, the William Shatner mask. Yes. And uh, touches his sister's leg, which is a little creepy. She sees it's him, scolds him, and he stabs her to death. She's trying to stumble for help. And then we get the dun-dun-dun theme, and he's stalking and slashing, and she's over with. Uh, now, the theme changes. Michael's heading toward the baby in the playpen. And his expression softens, and he kisses the baby and says, Happy Halloween. And I didn't catch what he said there. But uh, Mom comes home, finds him outside, and wants to know what's going on. And he's clearly disturbed, and something bad has happened. There's news, there's chaos, there's police, there's paramedics. The sister's been stabbed 17 times, according to the news reporter. And this is my note. Ah, the 70s, when you could just name names and report stuff. (laughs) (laughs) there's no alleged anything and then we're off to smith's grove 11 months later that's the title card and this takes forever it takes a long time and that's why you know but michael myers been convicted of first degree murder i don't know if they apparently they tried him as an adult yeah if it was texas they would have fried him (laughs) (laughs) that's not even a joke that's probably true um Loomis is interviewing him uh, about the murders on tape. And Michael says, I didn't do that. He seems unaware that he's really done anything. Do we think this is really the case? I think so. He asks his mom the same thing. How's everyone at home? Yeah, is everyone at home okay? Yeah. And uh, we we then... Which was one thing I thought was kind of interesting about this whole psychological breakdown of michael myers yeah it's a psychotic break he comes back from maybe but in any event we do meet machete danny trejo the guard who calls michael mikey and he tells him you've got to live you've got to learn to live beyond the walls live inside your head no walls can stop you there and then we discover michael myers is enjoying as a young man still uh, making masks why loomis asks him i have my secrets and loomis implores him oh wait a minute i thought we had no secrets and then michael confesses because no one sees me so when he's wearing the mask no one sees him that's his explanation 
Uh, that I took it as he wears a mask because no one sees the normal him, but perhaps not. Well, we we do get film footage um, that that kind of shows Michael obsessing over constructing these primitive masks, and he's rarely, or I guess this is Loomis talking about this over the footage where he says Michael is. Michael Myers is obsessing over constructing these primitive masks. He's rarely seen not wearing one. And uh, then he tells his mom, it hides my ugliness. Um, normal moments have become fewer and fewer. And we get shown that Michael Myers is distancing and shutting down. And you can see the stress where he says, I need to get out of here. He really wants out of the um, Smith's Grove Asylum. Um, Kills a nurse with a fork. Yeah, how about that kill? Sybil Danning. Sybil Danning making a uh, lovely cameo. It's good to see her. Mm -hmm. Do you have any favorite Sybil Danning films? <laughs> favorite Sybil Danning films? Battle Beyond the Stars. stars yeah. Not to be confused with Battlefield Earth. Or Battle of the Network Stars. <laughs> Which Steve Martin said should have been fought with guns. <laughs> it really should have. For the younger listeners, that was a terrible thing from the 70s and maybe 80s. That was... Yeah, I don't remember when, how long that ran. It was like obstacle courses and junk like that. Well, um, we, we get this footage and Loomis says, The boy christened Michael Myers has become a sort of ghost, a mere shape of a human being. So he throws out shape there. There's nothing left here now. And we see a lot of shots of this empty sanitarium. How does this place stay open? doesn't look like they've gotten any well, business. This is the place where they've got this like seven foot tall known killer. And they say, oh, here's cutlery. Yeah. yeah. Have some actual steel implements to eat your food with. Yeah. But, uh, but he's still a boy when he kills the nurse. Because she was making some playful snark about the picture with the baby. Um, you know, being cute and clearly not related to him. <laughs> but he kills her with a fork, as, as Will stated. And... Um, and there's chaos, there's guards, there's Michael wearing his black and orange mask and this whooping alarm. And we get a long freeze frame of Michael in mid-yell and then this clicking 8mm or 16mm footage. I have a note here. So poor white trash people have movie cameras in the 70s? I doubt it. Yeah, I think so. You think so? Yeah. Hmm. I was waiting for it to be on a VCR. I don't think I knew anybody with a movie camera back in the day. Um, so we we see the 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 clicking footage, which we discover is the mom um, watching home movies, and she's got a gun. And off camera shot, we hear she's clearly committed suicide, and the baby screaming. Ah, okay. This is where. That's why that's, I missed that. Yeah, this I is probably what, got up to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> take a nap have a lie down <clears throat> so we meet a, we meet a new guard okay so this is years later and we meet a new guard which is played by lou temple who is just awful and abusive and trashy i've met him in person he's actually really sweet yeah. he's a very nice man but he has that crazy robin hood mustache and that 70s hair he looks like he belongs in the little river band or something and he's very insulting and very mean and uh my note here is how huge does this actor really need to be? He's not just a big guy. He's like the most gigantic human being on earth. <laughs> yeah. 
Nick Castle was a towering six foot giant. <laughs> this guy's like seven feet tall. Six feet might have been tall in Nick's day in 1970. How tall was the actor who played in the remake? Michael. So, I think it's. I think he's over seven feet tall. Tyler Maine. I'll look it up. Okay. Yeah, he was. He was huge. It was funny later because, uh, and later in the movie when he's playing the ghost. Bob, she never notices that he's <laughs> a solid foot he's taller like and foot a wider. A foot and a half taller than he was. <laughs> and wide. How'd you get taller? And wide enough to barely fit through the door. Yeah. It's uh, one of the things they, they said about uh, Nick Castle in the first one. He's kind of a graceful mm-hmm. way he moves around. And then subsequent to that, they're all stunt people. They're all bulked up. And uh, okay. More aggressive movement. It looks different. Yeah. Uh, let's see, six foot eight. So he's not quite seven feet tall, but um, still big dude. Yeah, yeah. I doubt Bob was. And he, he six he's feet. like there's no restraints in him. They just <laughs> he just hangs out in his room with his craft equipment. Yeah, you know maybe safety scissors, maybe just paste, but you know no shackles. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so we see um, Danny Trejo's character, whose name I don't have in front of me. Um, machete. Yeah, we, yeah. We see we see him and Lou, we see Machete and and Lou Temple and Lou is terrible. Um, and against Danny Trejo's character's warning, against Machete's warning, uh, Lou Temple's character is very abusive. Uh, we get to. Um, Loomis telling Michael, you've become my best friend. Take care. And then there's a lecture where you hear uh, Loomis saying, his eyes will deceive you. They'll destroy you. They'll take from you your innocence and pride and eventually your soul and so on and so forth. And behind these eyes, there's only blackness. And they're the eyes of a psychopath. Now, Michael, he says, was created by a perfect alignment of interior and exterior factors gone violently wrong Perfect storm, so on and so forth. Listening to Kiss. Creating, yes, wearing Kiss t-shirts, <laughs> eating too much sugar. Um, so he's, he's basically, he literally says he's, this has created a psychopath that knows no boundaries and that has no boundaries. And there's this insanely giant projection of um, Michael's face behind him. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that he's a psychopath, but this is giving like, all this exposition as to, oh, there are these factors and this is why and this is how. Mm. That's, again, my biggest criticism with this version. And everything else, I mean, in terms of filmmaking is perfectly fine. Um, why Why do you think, they've done this with a couple of films, I've noticed, that's adding all this backstory that didn't seem to be necessary in older films. Older <laughs> films seem to jump right in and, with it, yeah. and just... You know, you, you, the audience, can make up whatever backstory you want. And that's why this feels like, like we're talking about two movies, you know. But um, to get to, again, to try to finally get to the point, you know, we get some exposition from, uh, from Lou Temple's character, this, this guard. And uh, something, you know, something about, oh, you called me in. The graveyard shift, and I was at my favorite watering hole. So he's he's laid the groundwork for you, so you know why he's there, what they're doing. They're going to rape this girl, this female inmate. 
and he gets this great idea. Let's go into Michael's cell and taunt him and rape a woman in front of him. And mm-hmm. so they do this and they put his masks on and call him names and hit him and stuff. And of course they get beaten to death against the wall. Both of them. Oh well, yeah. Good. Yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> Good. Uh, it's a pretty stupid and, scene and, really. It is. And the abusive guard tries to run with his pants around his ankles, which doesn't work. And he gets caught and beaten against the hallway wall. And you don't know what happens to the poor woman. We don't. And hopefully he, Michael just leaves her alone. We would hope. We don't know. Yeah, it just says happy Halloween and leaves. <laughs> Have a good night. Um, Danny Trejo, who we find out from other exposition is going to be retiring soon. Like in a couple months. Three days from retirement. <laughs> right. It's a typical cop story. Three days from retirement. He finds this, all this slaughter throughout. And then he finds Mikey. And he tries to reason with him and get the cuffs on him. Nope. He gets a beating and a drowning. And then a TV dropped on his head. <laughs> a TV smashed on his head. Which yeah. reminded me of that scene from High Fidelity. Oh, okay. The little fantasy sequence. I was thinking of Mother's Day. That, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Ma- Mother's Day is another uh, uh, movie with the final girl sort of characters in it where they get trapped by a bunch of crazies in the woods and get away and then wreak revenge, including a TV to the head. <laughs> well, we, um, we see where they spent a lot of the money making this film. Uh, we hear Rush, Tom Sawyer by the band Rush. <laughs> so it's just on payments to bands? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what I'm assuming. Um, Dr. Loomis is calling uh, who turns out to be Clint Howard. And yes. You're finding out I that... I kept waiting for Bob Odenkirk to show up in this for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> so last week we did the car. So there's another Clint Howard appearance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Clint Howard's everywhere. Was he in the car? Don't you know? Yeah, he, he starts off the races with the gang. Oh. He's got that, that big white afro. That's so funny. So Dr. Loomis makes a phone call and then we hear Tom Sawyer by Rush and we meet Big Joe Grizzly, who oh, is uh, yes. Ken, Forey. Ken Forey. We know from Dawn of the Dead. And if anyone didn't pick up this little Easter egg um, uh, in Shaun of the Dead, the electronic store is called Forey Electric. Mm-hmm. And, ah. that's and he's in Devil's Rejects him. as well. So, yeah, he is in Devil's Rejects, um, wearing the derby and being all kind of voodoo pimp. Um, so he's off to the bathroom for some porn and some quality time with the toilet. And he sees the massive, muddy, slippered feet of Michael Myers. And um, and he's uh, pretty good natured at first, but after some knocking, he gets upset and, you know, quotes Cool Hand Luke with uh, what we have here is a failure to communicate. And he's going to come out with a knife and he threatens to cut the mask off of Michael, which I think he takes exception to that. No one takes his masks. This is not cool. So another smashing death smashes him into the stall wall. Again, did we need to learn the origin of Michael Myers jumpsuit? <laughs> jumpsuit. Yes, we did. And Cause in the, the original, we get it from the, uh, he's killed the guy in the truck, the mm-hmm. catering truck. We don't see his body. We see the, the matchbooks, but he, yes. the guy's in his underwear, right, laying in the weeds. Um, again, why? Exactly. So, because <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to put Ken Forey in this movie, 
Well, it worked out, didn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. It's nice to see him. But, you know. Yeah, and he's a big enough guy to where, you know, it, it played. Um, tell you, what, you couldn't have, have him in a, a hospital apron or, or movie. Cause... Why not? Well, I mean, I just, we could have seen, there's Ken Forey's truck on the road, off the side of the road, and he's dead. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. In yeah, his underwear. I mean, right. again, we but, don't but need... But it would have undercut the, the tension if you'd seen his buttocks waving around in the wind. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the good levity. Oh, those buttocks. <laughs> I think just the the William Shatner mask and the slippers. <laughs> Buck naked. <laughs> One to beam up. Yeah, because like when once he's got the the overalls on and the he's got his his homemade masks, he looks like he's in Slipknot. Yes, yes. Yeah, that does play like Slipknot, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I just thought oh Slipknot. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking of. You know, badass killer dude. Are we out of time? Uh, yeah, we're going to pause for a moment. Um, for First station identification. Yes, now we are. Okay, so we met We met Big Joe Grizzly. Um, we get the stall smashing, the knifing. So now there's a knife and uh, some coveralls. We got, we got exposition on why, why Michael Myers would have coveralls. Never. Excellent. Never trust someone in a jumpsuit. <laughs> what about that dirty bathrobe? What, what if, what if they skipped? If they had skipped entirely the jumpsuit, and Rob Zombie said, "No, it's all about bathrobes now." It's all bathrobes and muddy slippers, so, or just the mask and the slippers. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it would be a good mashup costume to do with the dude from The Big Lebowski and uh, Oh yeah, and Michael Myers? That that would be good. Yeah. The shape abides. <laughs> shape. <laughs> the shape abides, man. <clears throat> so Death by bowling ball. So we hear um Mr. Sandman once again. Mm-hmm. That was in Halloween too. Yes. It's kinda nice. The Cordettes. The Cordettes were were brought back around to uh a blast from the past. We see the Strode household. And they're having breakfast in a much less trashy fashion than uh, the original Michael Myers boyhood home. And they're talking about capitalism and Lori's going to go drop off an envelope with keys in it, I assume, Mm -hmm. at the old Myers house. Um, So the neighborhood... Does it spell out anything on the... It does not say tit. Mm. Uh, At least that, that I noticed. I mean, it might be hidden in the leaves somewhere. Rob Zombie missed getting a swear word <laughs> into his movie. He, well, he probably met his quota with just the dialogue <laughs> from the first scene. <laughs> and, and the ratings board was like, no, you can't write tit on anything in the rest of this movie. Laurie on her way to school, apparently. And we get the annoying Tommy Doyle. And he's talking about uh, the Mexican wolf man, which, you know, is a thing, actually. People who would grow hair all over their faces, right? Yeah. So they're technically a, you know, a hairy being that doesn't matter. I've seen the photos. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because like Tommy, a lot of stuff in this film, it does <laughs> to, not to, matter. Tommy does not get to the point about what is the Mexican Wolfman. Oh, true. It's not a just a Wolfman who happens to be in Mexico, or to be of Mexican descent. It's it's an anomaly that happens with. 
hair follicles being everywhere on your face. Anywho, um, we cut to Michael Myers ripping up floorboards with his bare hands. I don't know how the mask got in the floorboards. That was a thing I wondered about. Where mm-hmm. did he, when did he put that mask in there? Yeah. And the knife. Yeah. And did, then why didn't he dust it we off? We need a film to explain these things. Yes. Go a into whole the history film. Of... A prequel. <laughs> a prequel of the manufacture of the mask and the knife <laughs> and the floorboards. Hey, maybe when he gets around to Halloween 3 and he ties it into the whole mask factory. See, yeah, I think you could do you that. You could show the whole process. That might be cool. So we see the decaying William Shatner mask. Which they did a good job. It, it looks right, I think, anyway. I think it loses something from being decayed. It loses that white phantasmal Oh, it, it does. It. What I actually yeah. meant was it, it looks like the original sculpt. Yes, yes. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. No, they so, did a, a nice job on the sculpt, but yeah, I preferred it just all so you, white. you can't just buy them anymore? I don't know if you can buy them. I imagine they made that, but maybe you can just buy isn't, it. Isn't Dom Post still going? Hmm. I don't know. If they still have the original molds, they should be making them because if you try to buy one of those things on eBay or whatever, it would be hundreds and hundreds of dollars, if not more, like a thousand or more. There's definitely collectors who would pay a lot of money for those based on the fact that they're Star Trek Mm. or based on the fact that it's Halloween. But either way... What if they used the Spock mask instead? (laughs) Could you imagine that? How cool that would be? (laughs) Never mind gorillas and clowns. <laughs> or William Shatner's Captain a, Kirk. A white Spock mask. With the pointy ears. Uh-huh. Uh, we, should photo, we should Photoshop that. Mm. I think so. That there would you be... get it. There's, a, there's the photo for your next post <laughs> on Facebook. So um, Michael can hear the voices of Laurie and annoying Tommy Doyle coming up the street. And he says, Boogeyman lives there. And the POV shot uh, lets us see that Michael Myers does see Laurie through the door. And uh, she drops the envelope in and he sniffs the envelope. And that's how I believe he knows he's related to her. He's got her scent. Yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> he's part dog? Maybe. Like Why the... didn't they go into that? That could have been like two movies right there. <laughs> How well is his sense of smell? He could become a private detective. Yeah. So we get the same shot of the girls in school, just like from the 1978 movie, where they're just kind of hanging out and gabbing in the classroom instead of doing schoolwork. And that same shot of Michael Myers across the street. And um, here's where we get a nice tie into Halloween 4, which brought the Halloween franchise back to the Michael Myers mythology after that weird departure in Halloween three with the silver shamrock brand masks, which I I really like that one. Yeah. I like that one too. If they didn't name it Halloween and just called it something else, not Halloween, (laughs) the three masks (laughs) rated R The shamrock mask company, the shammering. I don't know. Shammering. (laughs) So, um, But the nice tie-in here is that bringing the Halloween franchise back to Michael Myers was Halloween 4, which starred a little girl named Danielle Harris, Mm -hmm. who is now playing Annie in this movie. So the brunette, that's... Oh, okay. That's a little girl with the clown suit in... Yeah, there you go. 
So um, they're just making small talk over their books, and Michael does the same thing and vanishes from the shot. Loomis can't believe these officials allowed this escape. He is... <laughs> he is mad that trusts in the tameness of the wolf. This is a great example of he can't say anything normal. He's got to be talking lofty stuff at every turn. Am I wrong on this? No, no, you're right. Well, uh, Michael McDowell's done his time in asylums and things in the movies, <laughs> hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. True. Has he done a lot of Shakespeare? Because it sure feels like it. But... Um, that uh let's see he says we're, we're, uh, he's british you know we're born quoting shakespeare yeah he did a lot of shakespeare in the asylums which I... yeah according to the american in american werewolf in london shakespeare is french <laughs> he didn't get arrested so it must be true mm. Mm. shakespeare is french yes that was i remember now yes if it was said by an english well by a british citizen that would be high treason Malcolm McDowell's uh, Dr. Loomis, Dr. Loomis points out that you and that army of shirt tuckers up there. Shirt tuckers. <laughs> shirt tuckers. Okay. You I'll use that one. What kind of insult is that? It's like calling somebody a suit. Yeah. Hey, you're, you don't know Very what's going on. Shirt. You're just a suit. Um, you and that army of shirt tuckers up there know exactly where he's going. And the audience goes, duh, where? Yeah. Hollywood. Haddonfield. <laughs> Haddonfield, California. Outside Hollywood. Which I believe the high school was Hollywood High School, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't Rock and Roll High School? No. no. Did you know that PJ Souls from the original movie, who was also in Rock and Roll High School, was made an honorary Ramon by the Ramones? No. She didn't like the Ramones either. No. Before or after the movie? She didn't like the music when she was playing the character who loved the Ramones. But I think she became friends with them. And she was in Devil's Rejects. Did you know that being a Ramon is one of the um, leading causes of death in New York men? <laughs> Have we lost all the Ramones? I think Marky is still alive. Okay. Shirt tuckers, head and feel. Okay, girls are walking and talking, and we get it. We do get a few totalies from um, Christina Klebe playing Linda, you know, the PJ Souls part from the first movie. Um. These girls taunt the leering Michael Myers and call him a pervert. Grima Wormtongue from the Lord of the Rings movies comes pulling up. It's Brad Dourif. Um, he was in everything at this point, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting Brad Dourif in a movie. Um, you couldn't swing a dead hobbit. <laughs> so Cop Dad picks up daughter Annie. Maybe we should do a podcast on The Hobbit. That would go on for days. Days and days and days. We could just chain a bunch of recording devices together and just go down the line like effects pedals for guitar players. We learn the origin of Frodo's jumpsuit. (laughs) He got it from medium Joe Grizzly. (laughs) Well, small Joe Grizzly. Small Joe Grizzly. Undersized Joe Grizzly. But, but he's got huge feet. He's puny. So you'd have to have extra big slippers to get. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine this movie reenacted with hobbits? That would be awesome. That would be something. Or reenacted with dogs, where you put peanut butter in their mouth and they look like they're talking. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. 
Um, okay, okay, so so we get a few toddlies from from Linda. <clears throat> the girls taunt the leering Michael Myers, calling him a pervert. Um, Grima Wormtongue blows in on his cop car and picks up daughter Annie. Okay, that's where we were. <clears throat> okay, so Lori helps her mom with some shitty blow molded skeleton whose arms has fallen have mom fallen. Mom's freaking out over that. See what it was. Yeah. Does mom have like gross motor skill difficulties or something? <laughs> do, you, do you know? <clears throat> do you have any idea of anatomy? <laughs> yeah. We need a movie about this. What yeah. was mom's experience with putting plastic skeletons together? You see the ball and socket joint? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where that attaches. <laughs> Turn around and on the back of the pelvis you'll see the words made in China. That yes. explains everything you need to know about your shitty blow molded skeleton. So they're putting this thing back together. <clears throat> and um, Michael Myers is not even hiding from the fact that he's stalking them. He's just walking right across the street, seven feet, I'm sorry, six feet, eight, <laughs> six feet, eight inches, wearing yeah, a mask. Them. Yeah, walking right up on him and uh, just checking him out in broad daylight. And then the best part of the movie happens. Okay. What is it? <laughs> we cut to the graveyard and Loomis is there. Score! Oh, okay. Sid Haig is in this movie. <laughs> and of course he talks shit about the um, the doctor who dealt with the case, cashing in, writing a book, Blood Money, he refers to it. And Loomis says, I read that book. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. But um, uh, the grave, ten- what do we call him? The grave tender? The groundskeeper? What a, Sid Haig, grave digger, <laughs> the grave digger slash groundskeeper, Sid Haig's character anyway discovers this vandalism. There's a tombstone missing. There's a crucified fox, which they refer to as a coyote later on. Mm. That yeah. looked that looked like a fox. It looked yeah. like a fox to me. Yeah, maybe they don't know they're mammals. Such a fox. <laughs> Did you check out the fox? It was in definitely this scene? stone cold. It, it was, was a stone, stone cold fox. <laughs> So, um, so he's angry, of course, but what up with a crucified fox? I don't know. And then boom, trick or treat is the next title card. Um, we get a new Bob in a new custom van, which is great. This movie has a Bob with a custom van, um, and Linda, they're off to sex it up in the Myers house. And we get the, the same very brief sex scene followed by the go get me a shitty beer. It plays out the same. He asks for a, a rating, I think a one to ten rating. And she gives she gave him, him a zero. She gave him a zero. And then she gave him a negative five when he came back. But don't forget, on his way out of the room, he goes zero plus eleven. <laughs> <laughs> zero plus any other number is going to equal zero for this guy. Yeah. Or at least he doesn't say zero times eleven. He should. <laughs> would have been so much better. Yeah, zero times eleven. Do you think this movie was made for people who've never seen the original, or? I think it was made with that in mind that you could see this and not see that, and get essentially the same story, mm. plus an extra hour. Okay. Bonus material. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> uh, my boss at the bookstore <clears throat> loves the original Halloween, but his girlfriend is—I don't believe she'd ever seen the original, so she leans more towards the new one because that is Halloween for her. So we'll put one in the column for Rob Zombie over. Yeah. We get to hear Don't Fear the Reaper on the radio in the bedroom where the 
act has just occurred. And uh, Linda's calling Lori on the phone and gabbing. Uh, a second there, when she talked on the phone, first it looked like it was just a regular cordless phone she was holding. It could have been. And then they cut back, and it looked more like a cell phone. But we, I wondered, you know, uh, why is the phone still activated if that was a cordless phone in the old Myers house? But I believe mm. it must have been a cell phone. Which cell phones really mess up horror movies now, don't they? They do. You know, they and, and detective stories. They have to lay the groundwork of, oh, I don't get a signal up here. Oh yeah, there's. I think that on YouTube someone cut together all those scenes, so you get like thirty scenes of people going, oh, no signal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had to do something, didn't they? Because what they used to do was just, you know, have the killer cut the wire outside the house, and that was it. No phone. Now yeah. you have to go to a location where there is no signal. The same murder of Bob, it, done the same way. And I think that was a, a good tribute. I think Rob Zombie was paying respect to the original. I don't think he was saying, oh, here's a good idea, I'll steal. I think he was just saying, yeah, this is how this should play out. So we get that. Um, but then gigantic ghost Bob arrives in the room with the glasses. And we get the same line, see anything you like. And we get, we get some nudity here. But it turns out a lot more nudity. And she revises the sex rating to a minus five. And then Michael Myers chokes her to death on Bob's behalf. I think that's what happens anyway. Yeah. Did you notice who was selling guns at the gun shop, Will? Mm -hmm. uh, no. Who was selling guns at the gun shop? Um, I'll give you a clue. Jimi Hendrix opened for him on his first U.S. tour. One of the monkeys? It was Mickey Dolan's? Really, it was Mickey Dolan's. <laughs> I'm sorry, I totally overmodulated on that one. I, it was probably Mickey... does really run a gun store now. <laughs> Mickey Dolan's from the monkeys. And he, he played a psycho in a... He, it was kind of a Boston Strangler movie. Did he? Yeah. Huh, I don't know this 70s. one. That's great, though. Mm, yeah, too vague on that. But he was he, he was in a some kind he of left the movie. monkeys and became a strangler, <laughs> a gunslinging strangler. Um, Michael Nesmith did a lot of um, musical production, and uh, he put together the soundtrack music for Repo Man, all that great punk music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was Michael Nesmith from yeah. the Monkeys. So these guys have moved on to do some other things. Okay, so um, Michael Myers chokes her to death on Bob's behalf. Um, we go to the gun shop. On the first viewing in the theater, I did not notice it was Mickey Dolan's. I was more distracted by the fact that Loomis is buying like a Dirty Harry Magnum, whatever the heck he bought. That's a big gun. And I think Mickey Dolan's tells him it'll take someone's head off. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to do much at yeah. all. <laughs> not to ruin the ending for anyone, but it doesn't take anyone's head off. It doesn't particularly slow Michael Myers down yeah, that much. It barely puts a hole I in it. I wouldn't have bought something that it only held six rounds no do you get revolvers yeah come on his his choice of nostalgia <laughs> <laughs> going for a six shooter the, that's because he's from england was a downfall yes you watched all those if american cowboy movies if he was american he'd already own a gun <laughs> you know i was surprised nobody in this movie was armed yeah, there should have there should have been some people who were. I also imagine they should shoot first and ask questions later. You know, <laughs> Dealing their own brand of justice. Watching these movies, I realize I want the 
quote heroes to be as bloodthirsty as the monsters. <laughs> yeah, and who's going to hire a babysitter if they're not armed? Exactly. Why weren't the kids armed? Mm-hmm. Why is there not a loaded gun here with my child? <laughs> Jeez. So Lori, back to Lori, she's goofing with her parents. She's she's kind of cussy and rude in this one. She's spunky, and I think this kind of gives us maybe a little background, a little explanation as to why she, at such a slight size, can survive the attacks. I don't know, because she's got so much spirit. But this brings to mind another question. Genetic roll of the dice? This is Michael Myers' younger sister. Why is she smaller than average, and he's like, 10 times larger than well, average. you know, he's on that hospital diet, which is famous for bulking you up. and uh, Yeah. <laughs> a lot of carbs. Yeah, and turning you into a, like someone who looks like they do wrestling for a living. A psycho killer. <laughs> kiss, kiss, say. <laughs> so Lori's off to babysitting. Little butthole Tommy. And what's Tommy dressed as? Uh, he's got like a skeleton makeup and a cloak. He's the reaper. <laughs> Don't fear the Reaper. Be annoyed by him, but don't fear him. It made me think of the, uh, the Red <clears throat> Ghost or whatever. The Crimson Ghost? The Crimson Ghost. Oh. From, from the Misfits? Yeah. That makes Which sense. Which was a, um, that was a cereal, cereal yeah. at one point. Yeah. Uh, Not a breakfast cereal. <laughs> the Crimson Ghost breakfast cereal. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah. Crimson I'd Ghost. buy that for a dollar. Crimson Ghost Toasties. Mmm. From post cinnamon ghost. Yeah, I can imagine the the cover of that with him leering over a bowl of yeah red lumps. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, crimson ghost Tommy. Um, milk red. I hope you guys don't mind that I keep calling him butthole Tommy, but I, I guess he's it's not all Tommy that bad. Tommy Doyle. Is he? Yeah. Did it right. Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle. He was a member of the Haddonfield Lovers, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> the Lovers of Haddonfield. <laughs> ben Tramer and the Lovers of Haddonfield. Um, Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett are debating whether or not this um, graveyard, gravestone uh, situation was Michael Myers doing. Or those pesky kids once again. Because, you know, they want to blame everything on the kids. Hashtag get off my lawn. <clears throat> so more lofty Loomis talk. The babysitters double up at one house so Annie can run off and have bad sex with her boyfriend. And, uh, you know, this is where we hear about Ben Tramer, who is the stuff of legends, you know, crushing on uh, Laurie Laurie, uh, Strode. Uh, Lofty Loomis finally reveals that he is back for his baby sister. And the sheriff um, uh, tries the Strode residence uh, with his phone, which has a silly answering machine set for Halloween which they show that playing over the slaughter scene, which is very bloody, pretty awful. Yeah. So they're, but not as bloody as Anne's death later. No. Or I don't know if she dies or not. I was just going to say, does Annie actually die? It was left kind of open. She appeared to still be alive. Well, there's a lot of silliness with this babysitting situation. Uh, Annie's doing the deed on the couch and Michael Myers stabs the boyfriend and throws him off and chases naked Annie, who does a pretty good job getting a knife out of the kitchen. And uh, she just doesn't have the reach, the strength, or the speed. And Michael Myers stabs her and drags her out of the room. And we're back to more sitter silliness at the other house from Dr. Loomis and the sheriff um, while they're speeding in the cop car because there's been a, a 911 call, I guess. 
Uh, Lori finds Annie dying. The boyfriend's dead with a pumpkin on his head. <laughs> Which I just realized rhymes. Uh, Lori sends Lindsay to call the police. And 911 just seems like it's going to be too late. Lori runs out of the house and leaves Lindsay to deal with <laughs> Michael Myers. <laughs> I'm out. You got to learn this stuff sometimes. So we have Loomis and Brackett on the way now. And Michael's on the scene. Lori's running away. Michael's pursuing her. And just like in the 1978 classic, Tommy's just not good with getting the door open. So maybe this is why I have Kids such... all thumbs. <laughs> I know. Well, I just have contempt for him because he doesn't seem to be very, very on point with being... I was expecting the kids to be killed in this version. I thought that would be a twist that Rob Zombie would would take because kids almost don't, never die in these movies, you know, if you're under 10 or so, uh, it seems. Uh, so I thought that would be something he'd do, but now all he wanted to do was explore his Michael Myers psyche in his therapy, and then copy the movie exactly to the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't kill any kids. Why didn't he just film a short of the Michael Myers in jail and then tack that on to <laughs> the original? <laughs> it's a bonus feature on Blu-ray. Yeah. I don't see any reason why not. I mean, they do webisodes for shows like The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we just made up some other stuff, and none of the actors are in it, so here you go. Yeah. It's like, here's a treat for people who like bad stuff so you had uh, dinner with rob zombie and you came over your house or I, almost that, he almost did that was i was gonna make a nice lasagna but uh, it was tom zombie <laughs> he does have <laughs> no a bro- relation he has a brother <laughs> it was a guy who was named rob who was made into a zombie so it was a total misunderstanding but no, he, he strikes me as the kind of guy I'd, I'd like to hang out with, you know, go and see yeah. movies with and stuff. Yeah, he would totally be that guy for sure. Yeah. No, the the short answer is the record rep who said he could use a break from all the tour stuff later said that, no, there was too much tour stuff, but he was going to pop in and have dinner and that didn't happen. Who knows? That could have been the one thing that ruined, you know, maybe I could have influenced him in some way that could have ruined the whole making of Halloween, you know. I might have said too much about something. Why don't we find out more about Michael Myers' character? <laughs> Do you think we you can know, really Star dig Wars, deep? New Star Wars, they had kids. <laughs> Darth Vader was a kid. Why is Michael Myers a nine-year-old for the whole movie? Mm-hmm. And there's no one who who is he, he the goes, Jar Jar Binks of this film. He, he goes to Camp Crystal Lake and tries yeah. to give swimming lessons to yes. that little Jason kid. And they're best of friends. Until they're molested by Freddy Krueger. <laughs> <laughs> and the evidence of the molestation is always clear because of the knife hand. Yeah. So, the cops arrive at the house. The Thing is playing, again. The, yes. Yes, the Thing from and, Another and World. It plays both times, like when he's a kid and when he's adult. Yeah. It seems like maybe it's just a tradition in Haddonfield. The local Haddonfield TV channel is... <laughs> Got uh, their their usual lineup of chillers for the night. They were watching a better movie than we were. (laughs) Yeah, so at this point, you ejected the movie and put in the thing. Yeah, that's always a fun thing with with movies made by nerds. And, like, they put on all these clips and you think, oh, I'd rather be watching that. I know. Never put a movie that's better than your own movie in your movie. Yeah, don't wink at us (laughs) too much. You'll you'll have us changing movies. So, um... The cops uh, 
arrive and we've got we've got Laurie taking cover and the cops ask uh, that she open the door and Laurie says, is he gone? And the cop says, there's no one out here. And then promptly gets stabbed by someone who was out there. Michael. I don't uh, know why they ran into the bathroom. <clears throat> Doesn't Seems sense. like the worst place to go. You're in a tall, in a tiny little room enclosed. There's probably no window. There's or, only one door in. Or a tiny little window that no one ever opens. Yeah. So we get a end well. So we get a a, a door smash and a, a second cop misfires and gets stabbed. Doesn't he hit him? He hits him. Does he hit him? Yeah, he does, hits him. Does he him. just wing him, or does I it, think is... he hits him a couple times, in fact, but it doesn't slow him down. No, because because he's got so much mass that nothing's going to slow him down. So Michael grabs Lori and takes her away, and you're thinking, well, isn't this the point in which he would just kill her? No, he needs to take her to the Myers house, the childhood home. Why? I can't remember. Um, I think he wants to stage her with the tombstone oh, okay. sort of aesthetic. It's his art once again. Did mm-hmm. we even see the tombstone in this one? Yeah. It, oh. it, that does come back around. Once again, I was out. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I only saw this again a week ago and I can't remember <laughs> all these details. I saw it earlier this morning. <laughs> That's why I took laborious notes. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett arrived to find dying Annie, which uh, she may not have died. I don't I, know. I thought that was a good bit where uh, Laurie comes in the house and she sees Annie on the floor. And right. then the door swings more shut and Michael was behind the door. I thought mm-hmm. that was quite a good idea. That Yeah, that was a good setup for sure. But now, because of the um, the screaming kids, uh, Loomis knows to go to the Myers house. He was at the babysitting house, and now he knows he needs to head over to the Myers house, where Laurie is uh, and sees the headstone Linda jack-o'-lantern scene, which is set up the same as the 1978 movie but with more nudity uh, okay now with more nudity <laughs> so who are you what do you want she's asking him and don't hurt me please and then this is where i had the note that why isn't she giant if he's giant because he pulls the picture out which reminds us that yeah she's the baby in the picture and he's the boy in the picture and then he unmasks and she offers to help him, and she's very gentle with him and trying to calm him, and then grabs a knife and stabs him. And she buries this thing from, like, a collarbone down into his chest cavity. Really buries that knife. And um, she runs out and can't escape the house. She runs out of the room but can't get out of the house. This is really brutal here. Michael Myers unsheathes the knife from his own shoulder. <laughs> it was pretty gross. <clears throat> I would always like one of these people to just keep stabbing. <laughs> just you've stabbed him once. Just keep stabbing till he's dead. <clears throat> yep. And uh, again, it, I want the people, the heroes, to be as bloodthirsty as the monsters, <laughs> thus making them monsters themselves. So Michael's smashing his way through the house. She kind of gets out, but not very far from the house, and falls into the empty pool. And I have a note here: <laughs> fall leaves. Because <laughs> she falls in the leaves in the pool, so uh, I'll think about that and get it later, and then suddenly laugh. <laughs> no, you won't. I'm not gonna laugh. It's because it's not funny. Um, but it seemed funny when I wrote the note. Uh, <laughs> so here comes Loomis to the rescue because it looks like Michael's gonna be 
killing her in very short order. But you hear Loomis say, Michael, stop. It's me, Samuel. Michael, please stop. And he says, please stop about three times and then shoots him about three times with his giant gunslinger six shooter pistol. And it uh, knocks him down. And Loomis tells Laurie, you're safe now. It's okay," Mm -hmm. And walks her out of the pool. And we get this nice overhead shot of Michael Myers sprawled in the pool. And this makes us think of the part where he gets shot off of the house in the original movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, that's going to cut back to it and he'll be gone. Yeah. Nope. That's not how they play it. So they're in the cop car and she does the question, was that the boogeyman? And he says, as a matter of fact, I do believe it was. And that's when um, Michael smashes through Lori's window and drags her through the glass, carries her away. Loomis uh, stalls Michael in the doorway long enough for Laurie to get away. Now, it looked to me as though Michael put his thumbs into Loomis' in, eyes. Into his yes. eye sockets. And dug his eyes out, but then later he's fine. Yeah. I noticed this too. I didn't, because it <clears throat> definitely looked like he was digging his eyes out. But he was like doing some kind of head squish, eye gouge yeah. thing. Yeah, I saw blood running down the thumbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we all imagined that. Okay. Rob thought better of it later and said, well, if he can't see, he can't run around saying lofty stuff and know who he's saying it to. So there you have that. He got better. Now, Michael is stalking Laurie for sort of a quiet spell and then rage smashes the wall. What do you think of this? All this smashing, Julian? It makes it nice and noisy. I like that. He, he breaks up the ceiling where she's hiding. She doesn't fall through, but then she rolls over onto this <laughs> to the... ceiling that's not broken and promptly falls right through it. Hey, that's an old house for you. <clears throat> and I did make a note about that, how it's that old-fashioned lath and plaster, where you have all those strips of wood with the plaster trowel mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, that stuff. Well, that, that kind of scene always works, you know, tense chase. Yeah. I, I think that they did a... A nice job kind of making it suspenseful, but um, it took me out of it a little bit how darkly it was lit or how dimly it was lit. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I didn't know what was going on. And maybe that's the intention that it was going to be hard to see. At the time, there's lots of uh, horror films where they they color time it to have them and do all this distressed look on it. So it looks like the 70s movies and you know, they'd get in Danny Peary to do the production design and whatever. And, you know, they, they deliberately make them look uglier than they're actually shot. Yeah. Yeah. They they take great expense to make it look like it was yeah, cheap, was cheaply like done. Grindhouse, they spent $50 million to make it look like... <laughs> <laughs> to make it look bad. Or you could just make a bad movie and have it look like it should look. But maybe that's hard to do for someone like Tarantino and Rodriguez when they did Grindhouse. Yeah. So um, we don't want to forget, though, that that Lori is um, she sees Loomis's gun and she was kind of puzzling over Loomis. Like, is he dead? I think she was wondering, like we were like, didn't I just see him get his eyes gouged? (laughs) Michael sees her and uh, Loomis is trying to stir. So we get the idea that he's alive and he grabs Michael's leg to slow him down. Now she's in the in the ceiling. I don't remember how she got in the ceiling, but she climbed up somehow yeah it was a little confusing because she climbed under a wall at one point and then shortly after that she was in the ceiling 
She's very nimble. Just remember, <clears throat> if you're chased by a monster, don't go upstairs. Don't go to the basement. Get out of the house. Get don't out of hide the... in the bathroom. And stay the hell off the moors. Yes. So, uh, yeah, like you said, she falls through the, the good part of the ceiling. <laughs> Still has the gun. Didn't drop it. That's pretty cool. She's mm. an American. Yeah. It's like getting knocked over and not spilling your beer. Yeah. <laughs> so she's very dirty and bloody. Michael's in the doorway. Drops the board and just tackles her over the balcony. So they land in the yard. And, and, and he, he like, when he grabs her, he's above her. But then when they land, he's below her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they did a little pirouette in midair. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I suppose. Well, he's very graceful or she's very strong. I'm not sure what happened. They land in the yard and she's, again, got the gun in hand, which is great. We hear sirens coming. <clears throat> She straddles Michael and pulls the trigger and it clicks. And she does this again. And he grabs at her, but she shoots and screams. And we get that ear ringing sound that everyone's doing in movies now. Whenever there's a a really um, important shot in a movie, you get that ear ringing sound afterward. Yeah, I think Saving Private Ryan really got that trend going, didn't they? They did. They did that very effectively in the beach uh, when they're storming the beach at Normandy. It cuts to eight millimeter footage, um, the, all the clicking and, you know, the jittery stuff. And the theme and the credits are intercut. You know, the themes playing the credits are intercut with more different stuff of Michael as a kid and all this Mr. Sandman plays again. I thought it was a car driving around <clears throat> Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that was last week. It would have <clears throat> only been made better by that. Yes. A car driving. Michael Myers driving around as a 10-year-old in the car in Los Angeles. <laughs> with, no explanation. With palm trees and fall leaves. Yes. Close-ups of his slippered feet working the brakes. <laughs> Those big-ass muddy feet. So how do you think they stacked up, Jillian? Uh, Original... I, don't, I don't like the remake much uh, at all, um, but I, I love the first one. Do, okay, a better question would be, does the remake deserve the hate that it gets from a lot of people? I don't hate it, no. Not, not you, but there are a lot of horror fans who just resoundingly dismiss this one and, and hate on it. Do you think it deserves that much negativity, or do you think Rob Zombie did an alright job? It's okay, you know, there's, there's, there seems to be lots of sequels and remakes around these days which are okay. Right. You, know, like, <clears throat> you walk out thinking, oh, that wasn't bad. It wasn't necessary. That's the thing. So many of these are just not necessary. I could understand if maybe, I can't think of a terrible film you made, but if you found a film that was a total turkey and yeah. you thought the idea was good or, you know, uh, I could see, you know, we could do the effects better. On some things, but they just, they want to make them so bloated and yet the same. Like, they want to add all this backstory, but then can keep the movie basically the same. Not really add anything, you know, I was disappointed. I thought Rob Zombie would have some Rob Zombie-esque stuff in this film. And it just felt like... After uh, Michael escapes Smithfield or wherever. Uh, Smith's Grove. 
Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that he would be driving the Dragula car around? <laughs> <laughs> something. I thought it would be yeah. something, but no, it was pretty much just a direct... Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Remake. More, he, he did his own thing more. Uh, like even the soundtrack, is he's just using the same tracks. He's not doing mm-hmm. white zombie cover. Right, which was something that was really cool about House of a Thousand Corpses, mm. is you had all this really cool music that that belonged to that movie. I remember, remember liking that one. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. It was like a funhouse kind of a ride yeah. of a movie. It felt a little more original. I don't know why. I mean, other than I guess Rob Zombie's a huge Halloween fan. But I don't know why you do a remake. Like uh, the first one, like Carpenter and Hill, you know, they love Hitchcock. And, you know, they they seen Argento and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can spot the films that they liked. Yeah, but then they they did their own thing with it. it wasn't that's what I always wonder. You know, they, um, obviously there's not really anything original, hmm. but you could take your own spin on it. And too many times, I think remakes wanna they just want to repackage the movie and slap a new coat of paint on it, and it doesn't yeah. really do anything. And I, and I don't know if this was necessarily a, a vanity project for Rob Zombie. I don't really get the feeling that it was. I, I do believe he was trying to give his own take on this whole story. But um, it is clear when someone like, you know, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, a, a great example of how they paid homage to uh, Hitchcock is the fact that they kept their movie relatively bloodless. You know, there there wasn't. Like you said, other than that guy in the weeds, there wasn't a lot of bloody stuff shown. Yeah. So, there it is. Oh, I guess uh, his sister at the first is pretty bloody. Oh, yeah. There is that. But for the most part... Do they show it, though? Yeah. They they don't show her the impact of the knife. Uh, It it shows her screaming, and then the he looks at his own knife going up and down. Right. And then it cuts back to her, and she's obviously thrown on some... Caro syrup and and lays down on the floor <laughs> to take a nap. It's pretty brief. So, Will, do you um, do you feel like the Rob Zombie remake uh, deserves the degree of hate that it gets from horror fans? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I suppose if this was an original film, or if you had not seen the original, it might be okay. I still don't understand why horror movies need to be any longer than about 90 minutes yeah uh it gets hard to sustain disbelief or uh, suspension of disbelief there uh if they keep dragging on and on i mean you can only be scared for so long before it becomes boring yeah certain kinds of movies they can't go on too long you know, it's just yeah and I find that they want to make movies two and a half hours long that don't support it. Transformers need no need to be more than about 88 minutes long. Yeah, exactly the amount of time to be considered a feature movie. Yeah. That should be about it for most of these movies. No, I would agree. Um, other than the uh, earlier criticisms you made about the 1978 movie, um do you regard that as a very good movie? Uh, the original John Carpenter's Halloween? Yeah, 
Yeah, I'd regard it as as a pretty good movie. It's uh, it's definitely better than the remake, just because of the, I don't know, the economy of making a, a low budget film. Um, Which does lend to the economy of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. But it's really, really looks nice. Oh yeah. And I don't find any of it dull. It's always, it's always no. active. Um, there's so many low budget horror films that just take the option of having something happen at the start and then yap 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 <laughs> in a room for an hour or so and then yeah something happens at the end. <laughs> have either of you seen the uh, remakes of Friday the Thirteenth or yes. Nightmare yes. on Elm Street? We yes. went to see the Friday the Thirteenth reboot. Yes. How? And How does will, it stack? We will go and see remake. the next one too. Oh, <laughs> right. Like I said before, we will have our expectations met, undoubtedly. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about that series. You know, you set your set the bar really low. And then oh yeah. Hope to be surprised. What's funny is, you know, there there seems to be this um, this faulty memory people have of all of the Friday the Thirteenth movies being awesome, and a lot of them were not. No. You know they're. There were a f- two through eight <laughs> could have not been made. I I like the fourth one a lot. Yeah, I think that one was the one with Corey yeah. Feldman. Yeah, and... so they brought back Tom Savini to do the effects. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that one was very good. Good cast. And I don't know if I'm in the minority among people who watch these movies. I do like Jason X. That one is just fun. Yeah, that's fun. Jason in space? Come on. I had given up at that point. Space and Jason. <laughs> I, uh, you, haven't, you haven't seen it? No, I've not seen it. I didn't watch Jason oh, okay. Takes Manhattan either. Oh, that was a letdown. Jason and the Muppets Take Manhattan. Jason Does Dallas. Jason and the Argonauts Take Manhattan. Because like, he doesn't even get to Manhattan. No. <laughs> it's like <laughs> He doesn't take anything. He gets off some old cargo ship and lands in a harbor somewhere in probably vancouver <laughs> yeah you can i don't know where they shot it you can assume they shot something in vancouver and there's a better yeah, there's, than there's a bit of b-roll in in, in new york but <laughs> yeah there's no jason he's in times square at one point in the i think so yeah. yeah which i'm sure all the new yorkers walk by like it's perfectly normal one of those kind of scenes it would have been in the 70s that would be great. Now they, you know, it's yeah, like, all Disney-fied. Like in the days of Taxi Driver? Oh, yeah. yeah. Everything was a porn Travis theater. Travis Bickle versus Jason. <laughs> I would pay so much money to see that. You're looking at me. <laughs> so overall, I mean, I don't even think you need to ask most people which is the better movie. 1978 Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah, I, I love Carpenter <clears throat> movies up through mid-80s at least. Yeah, I mean, the, the, he definitely had such a great run. Yeah. If you look at uh, even just the, the first five minutes of The Thing, mm-hmm. you know, the, that's that just gets you going like, what's this story going to be? Oh, what's yeah. up with this helicopter <laughs> and this dog running? Things are so wrong. You know? Yeah, something isn't right here. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but... Um, it used to be that when you signed on for the Antarctica deal to go mm. work there, mm-hmm. it was a contract of however many months, four or six months or whatever, because they didn't want to have daily flights in and out of Antarctica. 
that part of uh, orientation was that they would, uh, or initiation maybe is a better yeah, way to they, say it. they have a copy of it down in they the would, base. Yeah. yeah, they would play the thing, the thing and have you watch it. And I, um, when I worked at the art supply store, I got talking with a customer who, told, he told me that he met his wife in Antarctica on that deal where you sign on for your contract and you stay and you work there. And he told me that uh, they don't do that anymore, but oh. it was common knowledge that um, that there was a copy if you wanted to watch it, but they didn't kind of make you watch it as an initiation. But he told me other interesting stuff, like they've got, you know, people form bands and they have parties and concerts and stuff they should watch the remake of halloween <laughs> to get the feeling of six months <laughs> this movie's gonna feel like six months um 30 days of night and we're gonna do a whole episode sometime i'm sure about movies that make it feel like wintry like the shining and 30 days of night mm. we should talk about that so overall um we all liked the original better than the remake. Yeah. Yep. yep. The original gets my vote. Um, I don't hate the remake. I am able to watch it and enjoy everything except for the sheer length of the movie. Yeah. And the fact that I don't think Michael Myers needs um, uh, to be explained. I think if he just is evil, good enough. Mm-hmm. All right. He's a great parade of character actors. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. And the uh, ubiquitous Sherry Moon zombie, mm-hmm. <laughs> the ever-present. I don't mind her. I don't the either. The fact that She's Rob fine. Zombie included lots of tits <laughs> <laughs> really harkened back to old slasher <clears throat> films from the 80s. He was paying homage to the shadows on the Myers house in the original yes. movie. Because <laughs> it seemed like every horror movie in the 80s. Oh, yeah. That was the big draw. In The Devil's Rejects, uh, which I saw recently, uh, if you took a drink every time you see a close-up of Sherry Moon Zombie's butt. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be so smashed by the end of that. You'd be dead. Alcohol poisoning. Um, Do you remember the first time you saw this? The remake? No, the original. It would probably have been on video cassette. Oh, definitely. Finally got to see it at some point. Um, yeah. Uh, I was f- probably fifth grade or so. F- for a long time, it was the, like, that and Texas Chainsaw Massacre were the two, yeah. oh, my God, I can't believe they put this on film. <laughs> it's so disturbing uh, that by the time I finally watched them, I, I was a little let down. I, I, I vaguely remember because um, they reissued it as a double bill the first two Halloweens. Mm. I vaguely remember the poster being up outside the local cinema and thinking, oh, I really want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> I was too young to see it. My first <clears throat> my first viewing was certainly on cable. I don't think they had uh, tamed this one for television yet. By the time it was on cable and I was in probably seventh or eighth grade and saw it at a friend's house who had cable we never had cable from all the way through me graduating high school so as as an adult it's kind of cool to be able to just watch whatever stuff you want to watch and find other other sources to watch things but um i really enjoyed seeing this when i saw it and i was ready for it it felt like i wasn't freaked out by it 
to me it was just fun it was, yeah. it was a good movie all right well that's probably a good place to wrap it up i'll all right all right till um, next time till next time um oh did we want to and i can edit out that little bit there um, this part now this part add this, this part right now i'm gonna now. add this part in right here okay okay no um we were gonna we were gonna just name off some movies that six more days to halloween folks Six, Six more <laughs> days to Halloween. Silver Shamrock. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> now we were going to, uh, we did talk about movies that set the Halloween mood. Yeah, we, sort of. We didn't record it. No, no, we? no. We talked about the Christmas ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's. Um, Halloween yep. movies. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk briefly about uh, movies that kind of set the scene, that set the mood for Halloween. Like what, uh, when it's September and you can't wait. Or if it's. Well. <laughs> I'm not quite that like that, but <clears throat> every Halloween I watch Suspiria hmm. and uh, Nosferatu. And uh, this year we're picking another Argento film. You're I gonna, don't know which one. You're going to add one more? We're going to add a different one. Okay. <coughs> Have you seen Mother of Tears yet? I could lend you that. Yes. Okay. We saw that one. <laughs> Maybe you should discuss that one sometime. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd have to watch it again. Okay. Uh, which one was? I don't remember which I one. Gave, um, I gave you Cat and Nine, Cat Nine Tales. Yeah. yeah, she's gonna pick whichever one. So if you, so she's seen way more than I have. If you randomly run across Night of the Living Dead on television and it's getting close to Halloween, does that do you just feel compelled to leave it on and let it play? Yeah, and TCM usually has good stuff on. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, that one always feels like, and I don't know if it's because it's in the background on movies that don't want to pay for stuff and use it because it's public domain, but uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, um, Night of the Living Dead, uh, any of those old black and white movies that that were kind of um, often referred to or used do kind of set the mood for me. But this one we just talked about, the 1978 John Carpenter's Halloween uh, definitely makes me feel like oh it's that time of year yeah yeah it's uh, just... yeah I like the first the first two movies because they there's lots of the trick or treating going on and and Ben Tramer finally makes an appearance in the second movie just to get killed in a fiery car crash man I need to see this again you know the um the guy in the forensics uh, or in the morgue who's scraping around his teeth with a pick uh, I can't think of the actor but uh, he's in a bunch of stuff I, I talked to him for a moment at uh, flashback weekend in Chicago, I spoke with him briefly and said, that was really cool. You know, and he goes, Oh yeah. They, they were really concerned that that might gross people out that picking and scraping sound. <laughs> yeah. But it, you know, they were trying to I identify. That's the idea. Yeah. They're trying to identify uh, Michael Myers with the dental records and it's Ben Tramer. Oh. Who just doesn't make it. Ben <laughs> was wearing some stupid mask. <laughs> and, Nancy Loomis character turns up in that. She's a body being wheeled through or something. Oh, yeah. yeah she's in the first three Halloweens. Yeah. That's awesome. So <clears throat> what uh, what do you look forward to as far as like movies that set uh, the... I, I like uh, creep shows because it's, it's funny and lots of monsters. And it's got that, that sense of humor about it. Yeah. That EC Comics vibe. Yeah. For sure, <clears throat> the pre-code. How about um, old black and white movies? Do you, do either of you feel like the Universal Studios monster movies? Mm -hmm. uh, that used to be, yeah, I used to watch those on Halloween's uh, past. 
and it was nice to watch Bride of Frankenstein again. Yeah, and good ways <clears> to put on, you know, at parties when when there's music going on and stuff like that. It'd be like the uh, the ones with a whole bunch of monsters, like House of Dracula and yeah, House of Frankenstein. So you you got a, another monster turning up every few minutes. You got the variety pack. Yeah, and uh, another great. Uh, Halloween party one is uh, Orgy of the Dead. Oh yeah, that is, Ed Wood joint. Yeah, written, yeah, written by Ed Wood Junior. It's just got some wonderful dialogue. Not seen that one. It's just oh, a, a it's one a, Ed Wood film I've not it, seen. Oh, Think of so it as good. a spooky strip show. Yeah. Yeah, he, he doesn't direct it. Uh, Stephen Apostoloff directed it. But, okay. Um, yeah, it's basically this couple where they have a car crash and they wake up in a cemetery, which is uh, being presided over by Criswell. Who's kind of dressed up in this cape, and then he's got this kind of vampire woman with him. Uh, who's that? Fox Fawn Silver. Mm, let me look Fox. it up. And anyway, uh, so so they're presiding over the ceremonies, and then he's bringing on his favorite dead performers to do acts for him. So that they're basically all these strippers who are dressed up in various costumes, <laughs> and he and they they do an introduction for each of them, and then you get this long kind of a tame strip show bit and dancing around a cemetery and then and there's there's also a mummy and a wolf man doing commentary well, yeah. <laughs> it's just brilliant was it a graveyard <clears throat> smash <laughs> it caught on in a flash according to imdb yeah um yeah that was um i, I have it here that was fawn silver fawn silver yeah. yes yeah she we, was great we had pat barrington william bates Doing a strip? Yeah. Criswell doing a strip? Yeah. Oh, you know what's great is the women who um, were in the movie, uh, they're credited as the character they danced as. So we've got um, the one who played Hawaiian dance. Uh, then we've got, let's see, Barbara Norton, Skeleton Dance, Bunny Glazer, Indian Dance, Nadia Klein, Slave Dance, Colleen O'Brien, Streetwalker, Lorelei Hart, Cat dance. Cat dance. To love the cat <laughs> is to be the cat. <laughs> I wonder what fluff dance was. Ooh, one of them is called zombie dance. The mummy, the wolf man. Hmm. There's, the, there's the woman who loves gold. In life, she loved gold. <laughs> <laughs> now she should have more gold, more gold. Well, I'm going to have to watch that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, I'll bring that one in. It's a good one. I think that was on Netflix at one point in time. Yeah, right. it was, I believe so. Well, shall we outro? Yep. We, I guess so. Okay. Till well, next time. Till next time. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. It was uh, it was a long one, and hopefully we edited this down to under six hours, unlike <laughs> Rob Zombie's John Carpenter's Halloween. Um, next time, shall we do Night of the Living Dead? For eight hours. For eight hours straight. We're going to watch with, it on a loop. nine minutes added back in. Yeah. I wish we could see what, what's in those nine minutes. Well, we could do, do you want to do the remake of that one as well? Yeah, we could do the remake of that oh, one. There's been, there's been two, at least two, one with uh, your favorite grave digger. <laughs> yes. Um, that I heard wasn't any good and I right. have not seen it. Yeah, the one with Sid Haig in it. I do want to see um, how a rewatch, of, was it 1990 or 91? Yeah, was it 90? Yeah. The Tom Zabini one. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember I, it being pretty good. Mm-hmm. I saw it in the theater when it came out. I enjoyed it. Um, I think it would be interesting to see how it holds up to a rewatch. 
and how it compares to the original when we kind of look at them kind of scene by scene and more critically and let's do that let's do original versus remake night of living dead for next time all right um thank you again to the moon rays you can find them at the moon-rays.com they gave us the intro creature features and we're going to outro halloween yeah. theme from halloween <laughs> do you think i'll get sued for that no nah Right, who's gonna who's gonna John listen to Carpenter's this? Dead. You think John Carpenter's <laughs> You think John Carpenter's gonna listen to this? One, one of our ten listeners turns out to be John Carpenter. Fucking John is Carpenter. He still alive? Embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. He is? Okay. I the internet, he, is that thing still around? <laughs> I thought he had died after Ghost of Mars, or maybe I just hope so. <laughs> that was, he did that the was ward, his, his career. I didn't see the war. Uh, Ghost of Mars, isn't that one of his? 